I remember a conversation with Cheryl a couple of years ago, and and I had prayed for her uh, over something, and, and I just said, you know what, Cheryl, you're going to do great things. And she said, and she was a little frustrated, and she said, people keep saying that. <laughs> people keep speaking that over me. When is it going to happen? Now. <laughs> you were doing great things before. You just didn't see it. It's getting better. It's getting better. Oh, God is so faithful. Have y'all noticed this? <laughs> I'm a little loopy from first service. Y'all are just going to have to hang with me a little bit. A um, couple of things. Um, number one, we had a, a young lady from Japan stay with us last summer, Chizuru. And um, I was telling first service, we still have a room upstairs. It's called Chizuru's room. <laughs> Bet you all don't have one of those. Chizuru's dream, and uh, she contacted us after the, um, the everything that's taken place, and she said, she goes to school about an hour from home, and she said, I can't get home, but I'm sleeping in the school, and I'm okay. And then we had another one of the little girls who had come, contacted her host family, and um, she said, I was on the train, and I'm safe, but the others didn't get out. And uh, so I rejoice with them. There's also a young... Um, lady that's family member of my daughter's boss who was on a missions trip in Sendai when it hit and there's 9,500 people still missing there and they haven't heard from her. So what I would like is for us to just join hands for a minute and touch God on their behalf. Ah, bless you, Father. Father, I know that this breaks your heart. Father, I know you hear their voices. God, your word says that you arise at the groaning of your people. And so, God, we know that you have arisen over this situation. And, Father, I ask that you send comfort. I ask that you send hope into the middle of this place, God. I pray, Father, that they would find you in the midst of it, Father. For our brothers and sisters, I pray that the balm of Gilead would be evident. I pray, Father, you soothe them. Father, let those that are trapped be found. Father, let those that are broken be mended. Father, those that are suffering loss, I thank you, Father, that you will be enough. And so, Father, I ask that you breathe over this nation tonight. I ask, Father, that you would just breathe life and hope, mercy, grace over that nation, Father. And we thank you, Father, that you are sovereign and you are good, even when we don't understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is faithful. God is faithful. We're going to get into the Word this morning. It is so interesting to me how um, God tests you on your messages. This week we're going to be talking about dealing with the issue. And guess what I've been doing all week? I was going to say dealing with your issues, but... (laughs) But no, I've been dealing with my issues. Can we stand up and get into the Word of God and see what He has to say about Did any of you all come in with issues today? Don't point. (laughs) No pointing. All right, let's go. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought 
If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and be, and be freed from your suffering. Ah, oh, Father. Oh, Father, I thank you that today you are sending your word and you are healing us today, God. I thank you, Lord, that hope is rising in this room right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that all of those who came in with an issue can leave free today, God. I thank you, Father, that you are offering us an opportunity to touch you today, God. So, Father, we are available Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit do what only he can do. Father, tender our hearts. Make us susceptible to your word, Father. Let my stuff fall and yours stand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am so excited about this word. I can't tell you. I know I say that pretty much all the time, don't I? <laughs> but it's good. I mean, God is just faithful. And I, I, I get excited about his word because there is life there. There is life there. There is so much information going around in the planet. So much we are bombarded with information. Very little of it helpful. This is information that will change your life. This is information that if you grab hold of it can transform your life, not just a little bit, but completely. And I stand here as a testimony of that, that complete transformation that the word can make in your life. We're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood today. And I love her story. I love her story. It's such a, a, a simple sentence. It's, you know, nine, chap, uh, nine verses in the whole word and you can pass right by them if you don't stop and understand that that's somebody's story. That's somebody's testimony. That's her testimony. And I love that she says, that, well, it says that there was a woman who was subject to an issue of blood for 12 years. That just pops right by, doesn't it? Unless you're that woman. Unless you are the one who has been subject to something for 12 years. Unless you are the one who has been outcast. Unless you are the one who has been broken and uh, dealing with this for 12 years. Unless you're the one who's been going, God, heal me for 12 years. Then all of a sudden it has a little bit more impact, don't you think? And what she says, what she determines in her heart, if I can just touch him, then I will be free. It says she had an issue of blood. Do you understand that all of our issues are issues of blood. Do you understand that it has everything to do with the, the blood flow of Christ in our lives, the level at which we deal with our issues? Um, so she begins to, the, the scripture begins to lay it out, and it says that she was subject to an issue of blood. She knew that she would be, or she believed in, she thought in her mind she would be healed if she just touched him. That word healing. Some translation that says she believed she would be whole. 
That's sozo. And sozo is to step into a place where God is completing the work, where God is healing, where God is bringing you into recovery. God is about putting the pieces back together, making you full and whole. And some of you are there. You have been asking God to put the pieces back together. You have been asking God to heal, to make whole, to bring you into a place where you move further and deeper into him. Amen. Some of you are there. I know I definitely go there a lot. So she was going, God, I know, I, I believe that you can make me whole. And I can tell you today that I believe God wants to make you whole today. You whole. And it says Rusis. It says she suffered with an issue of blood, and the word that is used there is Rusis. And though it can mean an actual issue of blood, it is actually, it can also be translated as a life flow. The life flow, the ability, what pours off of your life, what, how you walking through this life, what are you putting off in your life? The, the definition says to bring into wholeness to sozo in this area would mean to bring that person into a place where they can come and go rightly. To come and go rightly, to put off of our life, have the flow of our life become what it's supposed to be. How many of you need the flow of your life to be what it should be? to be begin to flow the way that God has called you to. Today, I believe God is offering us that. I believe God is giving us the opportunity. Do you want to continue in your issue for another 12 years? Do you want to live unwhole? Now, now the, the issue with her, the, the thing about what she carried, it says what we're going to just follow in Scripture, what it actually tells us about her and how she walked through it, what she had, how she walked through it, and how she came out on the other side. And even though it's just an example, it is an example of how we can walk through things. When things come at our lives, things come at us and we need to walk out of them. We need to be delivered. We need to be healed. And so what it says is is that it says that she had been subject to this issue for 12 years. Subject to. Just positionally, to be subject to something is the way that it paints this picture. She was subject to it. In other words, when it initially started, and we're just going to attach our own issues to this moment, okay? When it initially started, it came at her probably by surprise. She wasn't expecting that issue to be a part of her life. Here comes the issue. And the definition of being subject to it, it it goes on to, to say through repeated battle, to defeat through repetitive battle. To make one submissive to, to, to continually be bombarded until this thing just comes at you and comes at you and you give into it. It comes at you and it comes at you. And at first you're holding your ground. At first you're holding your ground, but man, then it's there again and it's there again. And it might be a temptation. It might be a sickness. It might be a situation. We don't know what your issue is. And so it comes and it comes and it comes. And it says it, it literally begins to give you the, a captive mindset. And then you bow your knee to it. You bow your knee to this issue that is coming into your life. And some of us are there. Some of us have bowed our knee to our issue because we are tired of fighting. We are tired of fighting. And it says she was subject to it. And there are a few things that it, that it says about when you become subject to something. When you become subject to it, it began to gain mastery over her. It began to take her mind captive. And see, that's one of the things that the enemy is really good 
about is convincing us we're talking to ourselves when it's really him. When we tell ourselves all of the bad things about us. Or the enemy feeds us these lines and tells us bad things and we amen him. Think about it. When you agree with the enemy, you're going, amen, so let it be. Amen, he's right. And we, we would never do that out loud. We would never publicly go, yes, I'm a pretty much a scoundrel. Well, some of us do admit it, but, <laughs> you know, we would never, but internally we agree with him and we line up with him. And when we do, one of the ways that you can tell if you are becoming subject to something, if you have become subject to your issue, is you have a history of failure there. By definition, if you are subject to something, you have a history of being defeated in that area. Woohoo! You have a history of being defeated. And you have such a history of being defeated that every time you decide you want to get free or even think about getting free, you tell yourself you can't. Because you've also got a captive mindset. You've got a, a mindset that says, no, I tried before and I couldn't get free. I tried before and it didn't work, so it's not going to work this time. So we have this captive mindset and, and we believe the lies of the enemy and we dwell in our issue. <laughs> oh, happy place. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been there. I mean, I can't tell you how many times the enemy has just done a job on my mind defeated me mentally before he ever defeated me physically. You know, just that defeat. And another way that you can tell that you are subject to an issue, that you have become the subject of an issue, that you have bowed your knee to an issue, is you no longer take up your sword. It literally, the, the definition there says you, they lay down their weapons and they bow their knee. And you lay down your weapon. When you become subject to something, you stop fighting. You quit picking. You used to fight this thing. You used to go, in the name of Jesus, the, the word says, all things are permissible for me, but not all things are profitable, and I will not be mastered by anything. We used to use the word, and now you don't even believe it anymore. So your, your sword is just laying there rusty. You got weapons, you just don't pull them out anymore. You have become subject to your issue. She had to be subject to her issue. She had to be exhausted. And see, that's the first step in the life cycle of your issue, whatever your issue is. And some of you, I know, I just, I just had since this right now, some of you are going, well, I talked to her and she, I know she's talking about my issue. No, I'm not. I can't remember your issue. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Um, <laughs> yes, I took it before Jesus and left it there. Um, <laughs> seriously, you become subject to something and you hate it. You hate this thing. You hate bowing your knee. You hate that there is anything in your life that masters you. But see, nothing's supposed to master you except God himself. Nothing is supposed to rule you except him. That's the first step in her captivity. She was subject to her issue. You may be subject to your issue. There's a progression, the second phase in that subjection. The second place you're going to go with your issue is what, where she went. It says she suffered under the hand of many physicians. Understand positionally her issue came at her and came at her and came at her and came at her until she finally bowed her knee to the issue. 
And once she bowed her knee to the issue, the next step in the progression, it says she suffered under. Positionally, everything just shifted. Everything just shifted. And you know that this has happened with your issue when it's all you can see. It's all you can see. Your issue is blocking your view of God. Your issue has come under his, has, has, your issue has hidden you. You are hidden in this place. You have, you just don't see your way out anymore. And you are suffering under. The picture that this word paints, I'm so about, because the Lord has to teach me this way. The picture that this word paints, it says that you, that she labored under. But the picture of labor is a, a woman who would go into labor, enter into the pains of labor with no hope of delivery. No hope of delivery. Because see, your hope leaves, Jesus help me, your hope leaves sometimes when you are under this thing. When you are under your issue, you labor and you labor and you fight and you fight and there's no hope. So you have no delivery. And that's the picture. You begin to suffer. And this thing, this issue, this thing that maybe once entertained you has now got you suffering under. Suffering under. And see, we do a few things when we begin to suffer under. One of the, our most, uh, the, one of the most interesting things we do is that we begin to self-medicate. We just begin to self-medicate. Pour me another one. Roll me another one. Whatever. Something to dull the senses. Something to make you feel better for the moment. Something to make you not have to think about your issue because it's defeating you. And what it does is it begins to exact a cost. It begins to, now it's taken things from you. You are suffering under, it says she suffered under the hand of many doctors. See, the thing back then is that because of her situation, in those days, she was considered unclean. Much like a leper, when, uh, when a woman had her period, she was supposed to stay outside the camp. She was, there, were, there were regulations and rules, and she was considered unclean. And she couldn't socialize, and she couldn't be with the people, and she couldn't do these things. So she was isolated, and she was alone, and she felt the weight of this issue. And see, that's what the enemy does with your issue. He isolates you. He makes you feel unclean. He makes you feel like you have to stay outside the camp. That people are going to know something's wrong with you. And, and, and even though we don't say it, we walk through the congregation and the cry of our heart is, I am unclean. Yeah. And it ought not be that. It ought not be that with a God this good. That should not be the cry of our heart. You know that? Oh, what time is it? <laughs> Can I go yet? Um, <laughs> but they suffer under, suffer under, and it begins to exact this cost from you. Just exact a cost from you. And I think about her, and I think... I mean, this was a real person. I believe the stories in the Bible are true. And I believe that they're literal. Unless Jesus says it's a parable. <laughs> I believe that these people existed. 
And just like you would want, if you told your testimony and a and hundred years from now, ten years from now, you would want people to understand there was breath and life behind that testimony. There was breath and life behind this. And she was isolated and she was alone and she was considered unclean. And for 12 years, she had to be calling for help. And she would go to these doctors and these doctors that says she suffered under their hands. And there's no telling what she went through. And some of you have been through everything that you can think of to get free. You've been through everything that you know to do. And you're done. And all I can say is thank you, Jesus. Because when we get at the end of ourselves, we'll find him. When we finish making up our own ideas how we might be healed, we might listen to his word that says, touch me. Touch me and find your healing. And, and so here she is. She's isolated and she's alone and she's been suffering. And um, the next step in the pro- progression, subject to, she suffered under. And then it says she spent all. She spent all. And not only did she spend all, she was getting progressively worse. Our issues don't ease up. Do you understand that? Our issues get progressively worse if they're not dealt with. You know, they just don't dissipate in the wind. She got progressively worse. And what I felt like the Lord said was, I want you to tell them this is the end stage of that cancer. And I went, no, 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 no. I don't like that word, cancer, and I don't like those words end stage because I just, I lost my uh, uncle about six weeks ago to cancer, and I know what that looks like. And he said, No, I want you to use those words. This is the end stage of your cancer, the thing that we call an issue. Because so we have become very enamored of the word issue. Such a cute little word, issue. So much better than fornicator. <laughs> Woo, where'd that come from? Um, <laughs> the issues, I, 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 you know, and again, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but when you come up to me over and over and over, what I hear is, I, I need to talk to you about a little issue. Can I come talk to you about an issue? And I'm like, all the warning bells go off. All of the red flags and the the sirens go off because I know you're going to walk in my office and you're going to go, I have a little issue with pornography. Have a little, oh, it's, I have a little issue with sleeping pe- with people I'm not married to. I have a little issue with lust. I have a little, and doesn't that sound so much nicer than I'm a blatant sinner in rebellion against God? But at least that would be honest. Because, see, here is the issue with your issue. Jesus died for your sins, not your issues. says, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and just, and I will forgive you. <laughs> if you, all you're confessing is your issue, you don't need forgiveness. And if you don't need forgiveness, you're not going to be forgiven, and you're not going to be free, so you can live your whole life with an issue. And that's what the enemy wants. Just once, I told first service, I said, just once, I would love for somebody to come up to Pastor Ronnie. (laughs) 
and say, I'm in outright rebellion against God, which is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, wouldn't you welcome that? Give you a thief. (laughs) Got any thieves in the house? (laughs) Well, I don't know. We'd have to look in the offering basket. (laughs) I told you I was tired. I'm sorry. Seriously. Will a man rob God? Anybody got some water? (laughs) I'm just teasing. I'm good. I'm good. We're going to roll here. She spent all. She spent all. There was nothing left to spend. Nothing left. That whole definition is you are exhausted of resources. You are exhausted of resources to the point that not only are you empty, your life has now become a vacuum. And we know what a vacuum does. It begins to need and to draw and to to suck the life out of everything because you are empty and you need something. And we all know people like that who are so void and who are so empty in their lives, their issue has robbed them of everything and all they need is whatever you've got. Just this void. It's like just empty and, and void and and. That's what your issue seeks to do. That is the end stage of your cancer. That is the end stage of your issue. You will eventually lose everything you have to that issue, even if it's just in your spirit. Most especially if it's in your spirit. But see, (laughs) but there is a way. There is a way that that God can walk us out of this. We are not going to dwell in our issue any longer. I'm just explaining the issue to you. I'm just sharing with you the way that the Lord laid it out for me. But now, now what happens is something wonderful. I have this image of this woman sitting in her apartment, her little flat, wherever she is. And I have just this image. Have any of you all ever been depressed? You ever just been overcome? You had a bad week, had a bad day, you had a bad month, you had a bad year. And all you want to do is draw away. All you want to do is hide away. And and I cannot help but imagine her in her room. I can remember her, imagine her the way that I would be if I were having a bad day. It'd be five o'clock in the afternoon, I'd be in my jammies. You laugh like you've not done that. (laughs) I've called you before and I know you're on your jammies. But just, you know, not dressed to go out. Your hair's kind of like over here and no makeup. And you're just having a, a day. You have decided to have a pity party and invite only yourself. And you're having a good time. And that's what I, I just kind of see her in this corner. I just see her hope gone, tired, knowing that people don't want to be around her, don't want to see her, listening to the lies And then the scripture says she heard. She heard about Jesus. And see, some of us, that is our awakening. That is our moment. Having suffered and been subject to and and spending all, we have a moment where we hear about Jesus. We hear about Jesus. And 
what had gone to sleep on the inside of us, all that hope that had died, everything that we had just laid aside comes to life or it just begins to stir a little bit. You hear, you hear, you hear somebody's testimony. There was a gentleman in first service. After service, he came up just weeping. And I don't know that I've ever seen him just weeping. And he said, I have to tell you, God did that for me. God did that for me. Precious. But he heard, and she heard. Some of you need to hear the word of the Lord today and know that your healing is available, to know that wholeness is still part of your inheritance. It's part of what God has allotted to you. Wholeness. And it doesn't always look like we think it's going to look. But I just imagine she heard, and and there's some, and that's the first step in it is to hear that there's hope. And so I tell you today, there is hope in your issue. And just as Jesus was passing by then, Jesus is passing by now. Jesus is present, and He is accessible. And I can't help but imagine her going and um, number one, thinking, well, if I can touch Him. If I can just touch his robe, then I could be whole. And, and I can imagine that this just beginning to wake up in her where, where all of her hopes had been defeated. Every Nobody had been able to help her. Nobody had been able to give her something that would deliver her. Nobody. And some of you are there. You've tried all the avenues. And your hope has died. And the scripture tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And some of you are heart sick because you cannot hope anymore. And I offer you the hope of Christ today. But I can just imagine her getting up from that corner. I don't know who went and told her, but thank you, Jesus, for somebody who told her about that Jesus was coming through. I would like to know that person's name. Wouldn't that be cool someday to know who told her he was coming? But I can just imagine her going and going, where are my sandals? Where are my sandals? <laughs> you know, where are my sandals? Passing them here like, oh my gosh. <laughs> where are my sandals? Getting those little sandals and sliding them on her feet. And I don't believe she could have rushed. I don't believe she could have rushed because I don't think her body would allow her to rush anymore. She had to be tired and drained and exhausted of resource. That's what Scripture tells us. And I can just imagine her getting her robe, finding a robe, anything to put on over what she had on, and heading out. Because she heard. And see, the second stage in the progression, it says she came to where he was. She came to where he was. And I think about that, knowing what we know about her, knowing that she wasn't supposed to be amidst the crowd, knowing that she was an outcast, knowing that she had to have been isolated and kept to herself for years on end. Think about what it cost her to do that. Think about what it cost her to do that. We can't understand it. We can't fathom it. And and I can just imagine her, you know what it says she does? It says she came amidst the throng that surrounded Jesus. The word that's used there literally means she entered into the center of the flock. She entered into the center of the flock. And see, some of us, we can hear the word of the Lord, but we don't want to enter into the flock. We don't want to enter into the center of the flock because we have the same fears that she did. She, in her mind's eye, she was completely noticeable. 
In her mind's eye, she would be all that the crowd saw because that's what our issue tells us. It tells us that everyone sees our sin. Everyone sees our issue. Everyone knows what's going on. But, I, you know, sometimes you just got to push past that. And it says she placed herself in the midst of the flock and, and she didn't even seek an audience with him. Sometimes we think we can't get healed unless we get in somebody's face. She didn't seek an audience with him. All she did was come up behind him. All she did, it says she made her way through the crowd from behind. And I can just see her bent. And I can see her not wanting anybody to notice who she is. Please don't let them see. But, you know, I can just see her trying to unobtrusively to make her way toward Jesus. So that nobody sees. And then she does. I just love this. And she reaches and she touches him. Wouldn't you like to witness that? When she touched him and the vacuum got filled. Because it says that he felt the virtue go out of him. It says she made a withdrawal is what she did. She did everything, every vacant place in her. I believe she, when she reached in, because see, what she touched, according to Scripture, was the dunamos. It is the mighty works of God. The power for mighty works, the power for mor- the miraculous, that's what she tapped into. Now, wouldn't you like to do that? To tap into the mighty works of God. To tap into that place in Him by faith. And she did. And I just love that. But she had to risk being uncovered to do that. She, I mean, everything. And, and then God just, Jesus does the, I'm like, what? Originally, I would be like, what are you thinking? Here's this woman and she's, she's been in so much shame and she's been in so much pain and she's been isolated all of this time and, and she has made her way to you. Finally, God, and she reaches and she touches you and in her mind, I'm sure she thought, it, well, it says that she felt immediately in her body that she had been healed. So she felt that healing, but there was enough a presence of mind in her. I think she just wanted to, to slip right on out, take her healing with her. Man, not me. I just don't believe if Jesus did that for, for me, that he would have to turn around and go, who touched me? I would be the one doing the victory march with the banner around all the rest of the disciples going, it was me. I'd be crying the ugly cry, laying in the floor. Oh God, Jesus, it was me. <laughs> he wouldn't have to wonder. And see, some of us, God does mighty works and we want to sneak out with them. Make a mess. You have Pastor Ronnie's permission. (laughs) You know, to just love big. If God has done something mighty for you, if God has done something mighty for you, grab the banner. Oh my goodness. And see, I used to wonder, why did he do that to her? Why did he say, who touched me? But see, I don't think for a minute, I truly don't believe for a minute that Jesus didn't know who touched him. I think he wanted her to come forward because in my heart, what I believe is that when she came forward, she moved out of the place of, of, I feel like he healed me. She stepped into a place of, she came before him and bowed at his feet. 
She fell at his feet. And then she says that she, you know, that she admits that she had done it. And then God does what only Jesus can do, what only he can do. He turns around and he gives her a word to stand on. See, sometimes we leave the house with a feeling when what we need is a word to stand on. And that's what Jesus did in that moment. She felt healed, but he told her she was. Oh, (laughs) Jesus, some of you need to know that God has healed you. And some of you need that word to stand on because you have not just been mastered by one thing. You have been mastered by everything. And I can say that because I have been mastered by everything. Mm. Do we have a musician anywhere in the house? Tuba, whatever. (laughs) You know what? I really, I really prayed about which of your issues I could use as an example. (laughs) I really prayed, God, let me, let me just share something with them that, that brings it home to them. To, to understand what God can do in your life. See, what she did was she pressed through to touch him. Do you understand that sometimes when you have been bound for a long time, bound for a long time, see, God could have sent his word just like this with the centurion. He could have sent his word and healed. But sometimes when you have been bound a long time and you have suffered under the hands of many people, if you've suffered under this issue, sometimes you need a touch. And see, we stop short as the body of Christ a lot of times. We'll hear and we'll come, but we won't push through. We won't push through when we leave with the same issues that we came through the doors with because we don't want anybody to see us or call attention to us. You know what? Risk it and get healed. Risk it and get healed, truly. <laughs> I asked the Lord, I said, okay, who can I use as an example? of overcoming issues and all I could think of were mine oh my gosh who knew I had so many and if you all say we did you're in so much trouble (laughs) oh my gosh oh my lord the things that he has delivered me from I cannot tell you how many times I have had to press through the crowd to touch him I can't tell you I was a liar I grew up, I was a liar when I was young. The truth was not in me because everything that I had seen in my life said lie and get out of it. And so that's what I did. There wasn't truth in me. I was rebellious. I know that shocks you. I was, except for Pastor Ron, he's like, yeah. I was rebellious. I I did not want to obey God. I was a runner. You know, if I, I was Jonah. I just bypassed the fish. I mean, truly, I was Jonah. Fear issues, abandonment issues, rejection issues. Name an issue. I've probably had it. But every single time, every single time, there is not one of those things that I delivered myself from. Not one of those things did a program help. Every single one of those things that I mentioned to you, only God only God. And some of you are there today. Can we stand? We're going to have some prayer warriors because some of you, only God can heal this issue. It might be brokenness. It might be defeat. It might be addiction. 
It might be any number of things, trust issues, fear issues, bulimia. Whatever your issue is today, I just want to encourage you to press for the touch today. Say in your heart, say in your mind, if I can only touch his garment, I will be made whole. And today, truly, truly, God wants to make you whole today. Amen. So, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit be released in this moment to convict and to convince hearts, Father. I pray that in their hearts there would be a just maybe today is my day. Just maybe today is the day that I will be whole. God, we trust you. There is no one who can heal us, no one who can do what only you can do. So, Father, move among us today, God, that we may grab hold of you. Father, today, let today be the day that we are set free, Father, in Jesus' name. You guys come. If you need prayer, come. We're going to just get in His presence this
it is that the Holy Spirit begins to remind you or if he brings something into your remembrance and goes, if he, he says, you you know, pay attention, you're, you're becoming subject to this. You're becoming prone to this. Pay attention to it. Begin to allow the Lord to put checkpoints in your spirit so that you never get to the suffering under stage. Allow him to watch over you in those things. Can I, can I offer you a blessing? And then we're going to fellowship outside the doors and allow the Holy Spirit to continue the work. Father, may all within the sound of our voice, God, be very aware that you are the God who sees me. Father, you are the God who sees them. And Father, I thank you that you are going to constantly put up guards around them to protect them. May they be sensitive to your spirit. May they know your voice. May they be obedient, Father, in all that you lead them to do. And I pray that they would give you glory in 